eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Children's book author Mo Willems is a celebrity to his tiny readers and their parents. He's written more than 70 books featuring beloved characters like Elephant and Piggy, Knuffle Bunny, and of course, The Pigeon. Willems wrote for Sesame Street and says his job as a dad taught him how to listen and love. My friend Joe Fryer recently met up with Willems at the Strand Bookstore in New York City to talk about the 20th anniversary of the first pigeon book, Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus, and how the passion and the playfulness of the pigeon might be what has made the character so popular for all these years. Can you believe 20 years later you're still writing pigeon stories? Um, That is a really interesting question. I certainly hoped so when they were first published, but I was by no means assured that a book about a rat with wings talking directly to kids and making them yell no at the top of their lungs was going to be something I would get to make a career out of. Um, So I'm I'm super excited. I... uh, I think I I even like the pigeon more now than I did when he first started pecking at me. I mean, you refer to the pigeon as a rat with wings, so what does that say? (laughs) Well, I mean, part part of the scruffiness of the pigeon, I think, is what allowed him to make some space in the children's book world. You know, everybody else already had adorable bunnies and dancing bears and wonderful koalas or whatever is cute. Nobody thought about, you know, really examining a pigeon. How do you simply describe the pigeon to people? The pigeon has wants. The pigeon has needs. And the pigeon does not know the difference between the two of those things. And the pigeon asks fundamental questions. Why are people mean? Why can't I get what I want? What is going on around here? Can I drive a bus? So in the same way that Socrates was amazing to listen to and a little bit annoying, the pigeon is amazing to listen to because he's very passionate and also a little bit annoying. But that annoying isn't a bad thing, right? No, I think it's an opportunity certainly for kids to be able to to flip the the narrative, right? If you're a kid, you're always being told, no, can't do that. Go to bed. That's not your cup. Everything is telling the kid, like, it's not for you. And now here's the chance for the kid to have the power and say, no, 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 pigeon. No, no, you have to go to to bed. You need a bath. You can't drive the bus. Uh, So it's an opportunity to see yourself, but also to play the adult for the first time, to play the character in power. What is it about the pigeon that has endured for so long, do you think? Oh, I... I'm not sure. I know that for myself, I am always trying to make 49% of the book. 
and I want the audience to make 51%. And that comes even to the drawings. So the drawings are almost abstractions, right? And every five-year-old can pretty much draw a pigeon and show it to the grown-up in their life, and they would say, oh, that's the pigeon. So the books are not just to be read, they're to be played. They are an invitation to be creative. So after you've read Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus, you would think, oh, I could come up with a pigeon story. I could draw the pigeon. And maybe the pigeon uh, shouldn't, I don't know, operate a, uh, operate a catapult or uh, do my taxes or whatever, whatever it is. So I hope that my books are always an invitation. And in that way, they can last longer, maybe, because there are always new things to write about. So they're, they're a starting point, basically. That's right. That's right. I want them to be a spark. But I also want there to be an opportunity for the grown-ups in kids' lives to be ridiculous, to yell, to jump up and down, to be silly, because it's a very special time when a grown-up and a kid are reading together. It's very intimate, and it's an opportunity for the kid to bond with the grown-up. But it's also an opportunity for the grown-up to have a shamectomy, and just be silly again. A shameectomy? Yes. Which is? Well, I mean, it's, it's, you know, embarrassment is a learned disease. We learn that. We uh, learn to be afraid, to be silly, to be authentic, to, uh, to love things, and to be explicit in how much we love those things. And uh, when you have a child in your life again, that child has not had that yet. They have not learned to be embarrassed. And it is an opportunity to see and to copy them. You know, I think a lot of times I read, you know, my this book is teaching a kid to X or teaching a kid to Y. But in fact, the books are teaching adults to be open-minded again. When it comes to children's books, I mean, it is... It's first and foremost a shared experience, right? Between parent and kid? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, or not, I mean, a grown up and a kid. And I think what you have is you have your audience and you have your orchestra. And I'm writing a score. So I'm always thinking of my orchestra as well. Because if you are reading a book and you think it's boring, you will read it in a boring way. Happy Bunny, what's Bunny? Skip a couple pages. But if you're jazzed, you're going to read it louder and uh, more enthusiastically and more dramatically, and then the book will come alive. So you're confident parents aren't skipping over the pages in your books, right? I'm hopeful. I am hopeful that they aren't. I am more concerned about the play afterwards. What happens when they finish reading? Do they want to read again? Do they want to make their own stories? Do they perform it as plays? That is what excites me. But to your point, I have no control. And there's something really liberating about giving away control. Like, I started out in television. I wrote uh, for Sesame Street. I made animated films. I can guarantee you one thing when you make an animated film. You know how long it lasts. It's five minutes. It's not four minutes. You can turn it off, but it's not seven minutes. It's five minutes, right? And a book, I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't know if it's going to take an hour to read and people are really going to look at it or if they'll just go through it really quickly. I don't have control. I'm ceding that to my audience and my orchestra. And there's something exciting about that. It's not just about reading together. You hope 
that grown-ups and kids will actually doodle together. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that drawing, doodling is a form of physical empathy. When you are drawing, you are thinking about what you are drawing. You are thinking about the nestness of it. I am drawing a villain. Why is it a villain? Well, it has a villain's cape. Oh, and it can fly. And you start to think about who that character is or what that object is. And that's exciting. And in the same way as like sports, people play sports with their kids and they don't expect to be professionals. They take pleasure in it. And when they're done, they're like, we did something together and it felt good and we're tired together. The idea of drawing together is similar. It doesn't really matter what the drawing looks like. It matters what you are doing together and the amount of empathy that you are generating in doing it. You are a father. How much has that influenced your work? Oh, I think it's beyond even my work. Now, I started writing for children before I was a father. Uh, I think the biggest lesson of fatherhood for me has been um, to listen and to love and to accept that you will fail in your listening sometimes and you will fail in your loving sometimes and you get a do-over as long as you can communicate to that person how much you are willing and want to listen and love. Your son, how much is this having these books meant, do you think? I think the great thing for me about tricks is that he has been able to explain to me what my books mean. There are times throughout my life where he has come to me and said, you know, you are constructing a book in this way or drawing a book in this way because of these feelings or these questions that you have. Uh, it has been a remarkable experience, again, to learn. It's just a joy. I mean, I think that there's a whole flip here. Like, people, again, there's a tendency within our culture to think, I'm going to get this book and it will teach my kid how to behave. And it's the opposite. I am going to read this book with my kid and that reaction of my kid is going to show me more who they are and teach me how to be a better parent, how to be more of a listener and to love better. What is it you hear from adults and kids about your books that makes you go, yeah, this is, this is, this is good. This is what I wanted. Um, I did it myself. Why? I think it should go this way. All of those sort of things are so exciting. I, uh, every Monday I answer a bunch of fan mail. I don't answer everything. I can't, unfortunately. But I do answer a bunch of letters. And I'm just, I'm touched by firsts. This is the first book I read. It's the first time my kid spoke. This is the first time we did something together. Or my kid just walked away and came back with his or her own book. It's magic. After the break, Mo Willems talks about the inspiration for his stories and how he and his family draw together at night.
eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Start clean with Clorox. Because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. What inspired you, especially when you were younger? Uh, Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown really was my thing. I loved peanuts. I loved peanuts because they were easy to draw, they were funny, uh, they had physical comedy, and they were there every day. They were there for me. And I want to make sure that my books are there for you. Right? I want them to be there. They work when you pull them off the shelf, but they're always there on the shelf waiting for you to make them come alive. Where do your ideas for characters come from? Does it take time? Yes. Yes, it does. I have an idea garden, and I feel that as I'm getting older, I allow things to marinate more and more and more. Um, books are ultimately questions that I don't know the answer to, and they interest me. And so I start to explore those questions and I explore them with characters. And those characters develop over time. We in our family take butcher block paper and we put it on the dining room table every night in crayons. And when we have guests or even not, we sit and we doodle and we draw. And sometimes characters come from that. Sometimes I'm sitting there doodling and I start drawing an elephant and then I get to know that elephant and I see the neuroses of that elephant and I see the questions that those, that, that elephant would ask. And then at that point, I put that elephant in situations. Uh, so it does take time and uh, it is a personal thing, but hopefully the questions I have are universal. Hopefully the questions that I have are the same that you have. And they are the where, the what's, the why's, and the how's. How many more pigeon books are there going to be? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Look, if the pigeon, if a pigeon had a choice, I would be doing nothing but pigeon books. We would publish a pigeon book every week, right? I have a lot of different projects going on. And one of the things that is exciting me is to be doing more collaborative stuff. So I'm starting to write more television. As I said before, I'm doing some opera, I'm doing theater, I'm doing exhibitions, and often with people. Uh, and the rule for collaboration is that everybody in the room should be uncomfortable and scared because they haven't exactly done that. So we just finished a comedy opera thing with Renee Fleming and the Washington uh, National Opera Symphony. Renee can sing. Renee knows opera. Renee has not done kid stuff before. I've done kid stuff. I can't sing. I'm a so-soprano, right? I, um, 
I know nothing about opera. And the band has not dealt with an audience like this. And the audience usually doesn't come and see opera. So everybody is figuring it out together. And that's really a collaborative joy. Uh, so what I'm looking for right now is immensely talented people who are willing to be uncomfortable. Opera might be the most adult thing I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> In some ways, but it's similar because they yell. They have emotions and they tell you directly how they feel. They'll walk up to you on the stage and say, I am very sad. And they will talk about it for five minutes, right? Uh, to find those commonalities is really kind of cool. So to see the final product, what did that mean to you? It's sublime. It's ridiculous. And there is something great about that ridiculousness. Like we've all come together and these incredible talents are dressed up like pigeons, singing these very difficult things about wanting to stay up late. Uh, that dichotomy is, is fun. And you know what else it is? It's taking the kids seriously, right? We're always the most important person in the room. Always think of your audience, never think for your audience. Give them the opportunity to discover what excites them. Does the pigeon like the opera? The pigeon loves the opera because it's about the pigeon. There is an opera about elephant and piggy. Pigeon isn't so sure about that one. Coming up, what better way to tap into what kids want to read than to visit the children's section of a bookstore? Joe and Mo Willems head on a walk through the Strand's children's section, and they discuss Willems' role as an illustrator. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen, remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, 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 of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. When you come to a bookstore, do you spend time in the children's book section? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I want to I read what the competition is doing. I want to get inspired. So I look at a lot of picture books. And this bookshop is a... I've been coming to this bookshop since 1986. I mean, this is uh, a great way to discover. And one of the great things about going to a bookshop is there's no algorithm. You don't know what you're going to discover. You can just pick up a book and be like, oh, wow, that is great. And sometimes when I'm asked, like, you know, we recommend a book. I would love for you to get one of my books. That's great. But it's also great to just pick up a book from an author and illustrator you've never heard of, that you've never read. Like, I don't, I'm just going to look here. Totally new to me. Now I've made a new discovery. And this is really charming, too. 
Folks would say you are an author and an illustrator. Do you consider yourself an illustrator? Uh, I'm a cartoonist. So for me, the two things are essential. If I write a book, write the words of a book, and you can understand the book, there are too many words. It needs some drawings. And if I make a drawings of a book without any words and you understand exactly what's happening, those drawings are too detailed. So my job is to write incomprehensible books for illiterates, essentially, and to make that marriage of the drawing and the text work. So for me, a a text is a form of illustration. Like the letters are big, you're going to yell. The letters are small, you're going to say it quietly. And the pacing of the drawings, let's say you turn a page and there are no words, is in fact a type of writing. That rhythm comes from the marriage of those two. For those who don't, what easy reader? Easy reader is a hard writer, right? Because when you write an easy reader, you have a very limited vocabulary. These are the first books of liberation for a kid. They get to go off and read on their own. They don't need their parents anymore. So I have a book, an elephant and piggy book. I think the very first one, which was my friend is sad. Very small words. Friend is a biggish word, but that's about the only big word. I could not write the same book called I have a companion with a manic depressive disorder. It would not be an easy reader. It would be a hard reader. And so one of the challenges of writing a easy reader is you have real emotions And the kids have come from reading picture books that do have big words, and you need to express those emotions in very small packets, very small letter groupings. And that, the math of that challenge is very exciting. And what has been the response you've heard to that? that? Well, Elephant and Piggy are written in dialogue. And so it is an entry into reading on your own because one of the characters you can be, and the other character, the adult, can be. Or one of the characters you can be, and your friend can be that. And so it is a much more performative type of early reader. It is essentially a script to a sketch. Um, And so the joy of that is to see kids reading with expression and to see parents not just going from one day, you're on my lap, I'm reading you a picture book, and the next day you're reading a a book on your own, but to have this transition of like, we're reading together, we're making this piece together. Uh, And that's exciting. And that's, that's what I like about writing in dialogue. Not all my books are in dialogue, but a lot of them are because they become performative. You've actually written a pigeon book that is really for adults, right? That is correct. Well, the pigeon wrote it. So the pigeon has been around for 20 years and only recently realized that he is the subjects of books and that people are laughing at him, right? He thinks of these as great tragedies. This is the dark, dramatic story of not getting to the bus. Everyone should be crying by the end of it. It is, it is so sad. He wants to drive a bus and then he can't. And instead, it turns out audiences are laughing at that. So he decided to set the record straight and he wrote a book of aphorisms, a book of wisdom, uh, at least a pigeony wisdom, pigeonisms. And uh, all I did was transcribe it. And and is the hope that people will laugh at these or, or be moved by them? My hope is that they will laugh at them. I don't know about the pigeon. I'm not sure. Why did you decide, or the pigeon decide, Mm. adults needed something specifically for them? 
I think it's fun to be able to play with a character. And I am lucky enough to be in publishing for 20 years. And I'm seen as the pigeon guy and the elephant and piggy guy. And I'm the funny guy. But I'm more than one thing. I can make books about abstractions, I make paintings, I write opera, and the pigeon is also more than one thing. And so if there is a sort of a subtext for me about this, it is not to limit yourself. You know, if you're the funny kid in class, maybe you're also good at sports. Or if you're the sporty kid, maybe you also want to do theater. You can be more than one thing. And certainly the pigeon doesn't see any limitations on his abilities. And so the idea that the pigeon would be the first kind of character to play in an adult book way is, uh, there's a logic to that. He's ready for it. I hope you enjoyed Joe's conversation with Mo Willems. I now finally understand that pigeon. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please give Read With Jenna a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Make sure to tell your friends about us, and new episodes drop every Thursday. The fun doesn't stop here. Want to join our Read With Jenna community of book lovers? Head to today.com slash readwithjenna to find our monthly book list and to sign up for our newsletter. You can also find us on Instagram at readwithjenna. This episode of Read with Jenna is produced by Katie Prem and Kate Saunders. Our associate audio engineer is Juliana Masterilli. Bryson Barnes is our technical director. Missy Dunlap Parsons is our executive producer. And Libby Least is the executive vice president of Today and Lifestyle. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Throw in some music. We can watch the game. Or we could keep it simple. Corona, la vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.